Hey everybody, this is Ferg from the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, and when I'm not playing classic old games on my Atari, I'm playing them on other systems like the Super Nintendo. So now please join Greg, Chad, and myself for a discussion on Qbert 3 on the SNES podcast. This is Greg, uh, also known as Soulblazer. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Super NES Podcast. We're going to be covering Qbert 3 by this, uh, by this podcast. I'm joined tonight by my usual co-host, Chad, also known as Lord Chadwick. What's going on? And we're also very glad to have a special guest host with us tonight. Uh, he's, he's host of the very popular Atari 2100 Game by Game podcast. You know him, you love him, Ferg. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I love you, dude, but I feel like Hi, you guys. sniggered at Lord Chadwick. <laughs> You're the one who picked the name, man, so don't look at me. I did not pick the name. They picked the name for me. Uh, <laughs> is, this, is that a holdover from um, No Quarter? That kind of thing? No, it was it, uh, Nick DeMarco did that to me. Oh, okay. Or for okay. me. For me. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get him on the podcast also. It looks like it's a huge time. Uh, so anyway, uh, Ferg has been one of my most uh, vocal supporters and a, uh, and sideline cheerleaders uh, for me as far as this podcast goes. He's been very supportive, uh, offering some very kind comments, feedback, uh, feedback, and that kind of stuff. And Ferg's podcast has been a real source of inspiration uh, to me for finally, for finally being able to get my own podcast here going. Uh, so it's a real pleasure to have him to have him on the podcast with us tonight to talk about one of his favorite Super NES games. Uh, the really obscure game Qbert 3, a sequel to the original arcade game uh, developed by Real-Time Associates and released back in 1992 with the system. Like, so I've already talked about in the past before about my own experiences with Atari 2600. Uh, Chad, out of curiosity, like, I, know, like, I know you're the youngest of the three of us, so you, like, you missed the 2600 during its golden age. Uh, do you have any experience of history like the system? I do not. Um, my first brush with video games was the Apple II. I played oh Black, 
Yeah, I played Galaxian <laughs> on it. Right. And uh, my neighbor had it when he was babysitting me. And I was maybe, I don't know, seven or eight. And then, like, a couple years later, we got an NES. So I never really played the Atari 2600 except at a friend's house. And he never let me play. So. <laughs> Were you, were you too rough on the joysticks or something or no he was a punk oh <laughs> sorry guys family show yeah <laughs> so have you played any of the games like since then though oh yeah man um let me think uh i uh dang it i was playing a space game the other day and it was oh that was like 600 different atari games right there right right yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's the only Atari game I own, actually. Uh, I own, I play a lot of ColecoVision. Other than mm. that, I don't play a whole lot of Atari. Yeah, I still play the Atari like quite a bit, maybe several times a week. It, like it's a great system to pick up and play when you only have like about fifteen twenty minutes. Right. Uh, right. Uh, uh, so a lot of the games on there like a very like a very quick and fun. So it's definitely like uh, it's just so definitely great to be able to to, to be able to break that out. Um, oh man. I love it because I'm I'm such a points junkie. Yes. And um, any game, I'm like, uh, oh, you got how many points on Gala- on uh, yeah. <laughs> Galaga? I bet I can kick, kick your butt. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I my problem is I need a uh, I need a wall adapter for my Atari. It's gone out, man. Yeah, I think Best Electronics like those stuff those. Isn't that right, Ferg? Uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, the power supplies, like the 2600s. You can show oh, those like, uh, pretty easily, right? I think that you can probably, if you just Google it, I'm sure you can find a, a generic one. Yeah. 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 So, jumping forward about 10 years here to much more superior system like the Super NES. All right. <laughs> <laughs> superior to all. Well, I mean, it is technically superior. But... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. That's all right. I understand. Uh, so, Ferg, uh, what's your experience like the Super NES? Uh, did you have one um, yes. back when it came out? No, I didn't get one until 94. It was actually a wedding present for my wife, which I guess oh. uh, shows how much older I am than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, yeah, it was a wedding present. So I got it in May of 94. And uh, once we moved into our apartment, that's pretty much all I did was play Super Nintendo. I almost made my way through... Uh, Super Mario World, and uh, it did make my way through Zelda. That took a couple of years for me to pick it up, though. Oh, yeah, Link to the oh, Past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was when I, around the time I was playing Super Nintendo's when I started collecting games, the older games. So I started picking up a lot of older Super Nintendo games, and uh, that's how I got Cuber 3. Was um, I used to go to a... Uh, I don't know if you guys are... are um, familiar with digital press the store in new jersey they have a, a meeting every month called nava meeting north atlantic video game aficionados i think it is and uh, that actually started with a guy named mike etler who had a store in uh, south jersey and he was actually the one who first put out a uh, nes rarity list back in the mid 90s i guess oh, okay it was his fault yeah whatever he had yeah, well, there already had been rarity lists for 2600 and other systems at that point, I think, still. Yeah, um, right. Or, or, so it wasn't like he was breaking like new, you're breaking like new ground or anything, but oh, no, yeah. but I, I think he was the first to do an NES one that had like correct rarities on it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, because right. he had a store, so it was easier for him to see what was coming in and what was going out. So, and that's where I picked up the Cubert three. I hadn't, I didn't know it existed, and I really enjoyed Cubert when I was a kid. So I picked it up and. Yeah, and neither Chad or myself had even heard of this game, uh, like when it was first available back in the day. Uh, sorry, Ferg. Um, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so when you happen to mention it to the, when you happen to mention the game in passing conversation like a month ago, I'm like, huh? Cuber yeah. what? But, yeah, they made one? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so what are the games that Super NES that you really enjoy, Ferg? Um, there's a game called On the Ball that I really like. It's um, based on a, uh, I think it's Taito, right? Uh, it's a Taito um, Japanese arcade game called Camel Tree, and it's based on that. Um, I like Bust a Move a lot. Uh, Super Punch Out is good. Donkey Kong Country Series, I like those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are really good. Right. <laughs> no, Pitfall the, the Mine Adventure, because uh, that was around the time I started collecting when I got that and it had the uh, hidden 2600 version in there, which is that's, actually that's... really, really horrible. Right. <laughs> yeah, everything about that game is terrible. <laughs> oh, you don't like that game? Uh, well, the Super NES game. No, I meant that the, the, oh, the way no, they sorry. put the, the 2600 game inside the, the Pitfall game, it's not, it sounds horrible, it looks horrible. That's what I but mean. I, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the, yeah. That version of the game, I, I don't like. Pitfall itself is great; it's classic. But, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah. So, did your system come with Donkey Kong Country? I think by '94 they were they were starting to bundle that game with the um, you know, systems. Um, did that come out in '94? Okay. Yes. Was it for Christmas time? Maybe. Uh, I remember seeing ads of it in college, so I think it was for like fall that it came out. Okay, so I had already gotten the Super Nintendo by then. Okay, all right. So I probably got Donkey Kong Country soon after that. Okay, all right, cool. Oh, and the uh, Super Game Boy. I had a lot of fun with that, too. Yes, that's a great accessory. It's definitely yeah. a lot of fun playing your Game Boy games, uh, like on the uh, big screen. So Yeah, because I never had a Game Boy, so that's the first time I ever played any. Mm. So did you keep most of your Super NES games from back then, or did you sell most oh, of them? No, I, ha I have uh, most of the ones I got. The only problem is I, at that point, uh, I wasn't saving the boxes. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have uh, my original Nobody boxes. Nobody saved the boxes. No. <laughs> Once I started collecting, though, that's when I started saving the boxes. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, uh, you're probably glad you did keep your games now, though, considering you're considering just how much it's uh, like the roof super NES prices. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, but I mean, we, we keep. Never mind. Go ahead. Game. <laughs> Uh, so Cubert 3 is uh, the official sequel to the original Cubert game. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about here about the history and background of Cubert for those of you uh, out there who may not be too familiar with like, the series. Uh, because for a long time, Cubert really was kind of a forgotten character. Cubert uh, came out originally for the arcades in 1982 by a company called Gottlieb, which is primarily known as being a pinball company uh, during that time period. They, they did make several other arcade games, but Cubert was definitely, it was definitely their most successful, uh, successful arcade game. And for about three years, Cubert was very, very popular. Um, I heard somebody just describe him once as being a second tier character at his peak of his popularity, uh, which sounds about right like to me. Cubert um, yeah. was a very unique game. It certainly made an impression. I certainly, I certainly remember being very impressed by the game uh, like as a young kid playing it for the first time. Uh, it's a very unique game with how, well, everything about it is like, pretty unique. Uh, that, that, that asymmetric play field, like the triangle, hovering around the blocks to clear everything, uh, controlling that really strange, unnamed 
uh, big-nosed orange guy uh, <laughs> who likes to swear whenever he gets killed or whatnot. Right. Um, I would swear, that, too, if somebody killed me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a very odd control scheme that the game had with the joystick, which made porting it to systems and computers later on uh, a significant challenge. Uh, and also one of the best things, one of the best things I loved about the game, uh, they installed, they installed a, um, yes. uh, they installed a, oh, what do you call it? Uh, plunger into the arcade machines that whenever right. uh, an enemy or cube felt was death, the, the machine makes a satisfying thrack, uh, like, yeah. the enemy, like if they hit the ground. Yeah, so. that was awesome. It's, it's missing in just about every port. I think, I think the Dreamcast port has a uh, sound, but it doesn't sound like it's coming from below you. Like the arcade game does. Yeah, it does have the sound, but it doesn't, it's not as. It's not as authentic, though. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so Kirby's a game I definitely loved, uh, you know, back in the arcade, like as a kid. Uh, but even back in those days, I kind of felt the game was a little bit, like, too simple. Uh, I was always able to do, like, very well with it. And I guess that in, in doing research for the game, I found something from the, I found something like the primary programmer, because it was a two-person two effort to make the game. Right. That on the, the test of the game, um, the biggest problem people had with playtesting the game was trying to get used to their odd controls. So to compensate for that, he also tweaked the difficulty of the game to make it easier, a decision he said he later on regretted. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was... Uh, but even but even like six seven years old, I was still able to I was still able to be able to make it to the the third level of the game on a pretty on a pretty consistent basis. So uh, like so far, like you really enjoyed Qbert, uh, you know, back in the arcade, also, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I didn't see it very often, so I played it whenever I could. I didn't think the uh, the control was that weird. I guess maybe I'm, you know, maybe that's now, but I didn't think it was that weird back then. I don't know. I, I just thought it was, you know, because you're you're jumping in a diagonal. Why not move in a diagonal, you know? Mm. So yeah. I don't know if they had any problem doing that with the joystick or not. But, I mean, like you said, it was a problem porting it. Right. But, yeah, I love it's this. It's very vibrant colors on the arcade game. And the sound is really good. You got good. Uh, and I like the, the fact that the the cursing part that you mentioned, it's different every time. Yes. Or maybe there's a bunch of different ones like that. That wasn't present in the Super Nintendo game, which I was a no. little disappointed with. But yeah, but yeah, every time was different. And uh, when Ugg and Wrong Way would come on the bottom, it was like a deeper version of that. And it's just really cool sounds in this game. I love. I just love this game. I wish I there was one around here that I could uh, play because, like you said, with the um, the plunger thing at the bottom from the pinball, I guess <laughs> left over from the pinball thing. It's just really. I don't know. It's just a really cool game. I didn't. Uh, I it was arcades were kind of on the way out when uh, I was coming up. When we played the arcade, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade and right. X Men. So yeah. the Cubert thing didn't really, or that kind of thing. It, it never really hit when I was when I was coming up. There is an arcade place in North Little Rock in arkansas and they have one i believe they have a lot of older arcades i would love to make my way in there at one point yeah yeah i've heard flack talk about that in one of his podcasts it's like a very good uh, classic arcade yeah yeah um so which version of the game did you most like then chad uh have you played the original arcade the original game much i have not i have actually never really played the original game Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I keep looking for it. I keep hoping for it, like on ColecoVision or something like that. Um, and I just got an Atari. Uh, 
about six months ago, I fell into a lot. And it was like two Ataris, some paddles, like a whole bunch of other stuff. And, um, and then I was kind of getting into it. And then my power adapter went out, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I started playing the ColecoVision and I keep, I have a rule that no eBay, um, no Amazon, wow. no online stuff. I have to find it out in the wild. Like, I mean, I can get it from other collectors or stuff like that off of Facebook or whatever, you know, as long as it has a personal connection or something like that, um, then I don't buy it. But um, other than that, I haven't been able to find one. But then I guess I kind of forgot about the game, though. Mm. Like, uh, I played a lot of it in on Dreamcast. Yeah. So, and you can actually play, I think, the original one on Dreamcast. I haven't played it in several years. But um, I think you can actually play the original one on Dreamcast, can't you? I never had a Dreamcast. I can't speak for that. I think you can. Um, I, I, um, after the Intellivisionaries did an episode on the, the Qbert, and uh, I was looking, I was on that show talking about the 2600 version, and they had a, uh, I saw, I found a video online that showed all the versions of Qbert, which is a lot <laughs> of versions yeah. of Qbert. And yeah. I think, I think the Dreamcast was towards the end on there, and mm -hmm. it, it pretty much looked exactly like the arcade game. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I played, I played it quite a bit. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, and doing my research, my research like for this, I found out I found out there was no less than twenty three versions of this game made. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, uh, back when it was new for the flavor like flavor consoles, computers, and standalone devices, it was very very yeah. popular. So, yeah. um, uh, the twenty six hundred version of the game that Chad was talking about, I think it's a very good port of the game, all things considered. Um, it is pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they, they did a very good job trying to fit the game into shoehorn it's shoehorn it into limitations of the system. The one yeah. main thing about the game I don't like that makes it very difficult difficult for me is that um, I, I'm guessing it's um, I'm guessing it's a hardware limitation. Uh, like an arcade game, the enemies bounce around on uh, uh, bounce around from block to block very easily and smoothly. Uh, but in the but in the, the twenty hundred port, they just simply go poof 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 and just right. vanish. It's like a vanish and vanish and and appear and disappear all around the blocks. Exactly. It, yeah. makes very, it makes it very. It makes it very difficult to, to determine where where he's going to show up at next. Yeah. So like, right. like the Sharia have a hard time trying to have keyboard dodge enemies. Whereas yeah. in the arcade game, because the jumping motions, you can either tell, okay, he's heading there, so avoid it. So I watched YouTube videos of the uh, Atari version. It does not look anywhere near as smooth as no, uh, the arcade. And and I, I after um, Ferg mention this i started playing it and i absolutely fell in love with it on the snes mm. um with the uh the movements and stuff like that uh i got to where i could kind of anticipate enemy movements but um i don't know i was i actually liked it quite a bit there's definitely a lot of the same gameplay tactics and tricks and strategies that you can actually that you can use in the original arcade game on Qbert three. I found, uh, but we're gonna talk about that here like just like a little bit. Qbert uh, during the during the eighty two eighty five period was very very popular as I, like as I mentioned already. No less than twenty three ports of the game to various systems and consoles. Uh, it was also there was also a huge merchandising push behind it. Also, Qbert uh, was on was on was on Saturday morning cartoons for a couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, there was also there was also plush dolls, books, 
lunch boxes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember having as a kid a Cubert card game. Uh, really? Yeah, I have no idea what happened to it. I wish I still had it, but it was a card game that you played against other people um, that they used all the Cubert characters, uh, characters and uh, and gameplay and that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> they made everything into card games, didn't they? <laughs> they did, yeah. Holy. <laughs> Back during the early 80s, yeah. Like, it was like a board oh, game yeah. or a card game. They did everything. So, oh, yeah. Hey, uh, 90s, too. Cubert was popular enough to spawn a sequel, Cubert Cubes, in, in 1983. This is a very, very difficult game, I think. I, I, don't, have, I, um, I don't have very much experience with Cubert Cubes, but uh, playing, pl playing a home version of it, it seems like a very... It's, it's, it's a very different game. It still, it still feels like Cubert, but it's, but it's kind of like Dig Dug 2 versus the original Dig Dug. It's so much different that they changed on it. Mm, that okay. um, there, there was also there was also a pinball Cubert game made uh, during 1983. Also, uh, I would love to play that. I love pinball. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, it's called Cubert Quest. They only made about 700 copies of it. So, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, and, like then after the um, uh, like after the video game crash, Cubert kind of like kind of vanished. Uh, uh, um, she kind of became a uh, kind of became an unknown character, uh, like for a long like for a long period of time. Uh, there were various ports of the game that popped up every now and then. Um, Konami came out with an NES port of the game in 1989, which I think is still the best home version of Cubert that you can play. Um, mostly because of the differences in control schemes you pick from to, to control the game, um, but really I'd say, but really I'd say it was pretty much Kubrick showing up in the Wrecked Ralph movie of 2012 that really that really kind of catapulted him back into the uh, back in the public eye again and kind yeah, of made him popular sure. again. So um, there was a remake of, there was a remake of the original game that was released on Steam and mobile phones last year, partly based upon that success. And Kubrick also Kubrick also confirmed to be in the sequel to Wrecked Ralph, which is coming out this year. So, um, really? yes. Wow. So Cubert's definitely getting some attention again. So it seems like a very appropriate time to appropriate time to be covering like covering one of his games. Yeah. I wonder why it hasn't made its way onto the console downloads. Uh, for which area it was on? Anything it wasn't, like Xbox or PlayStation well, or? Well, it was on the short-lived uh, Microsoft Game Room that Xbox Live had several years ago. Um, the arcade version of it. But uh, the rights for this game is somewhat of a mess. Um, I have a whole new appreciation for people trying to figure out who the heck controls the rights to this and that <laughs> and everything else. Research like so, um, it's it's a real muddled mess about who has the right to Qbert and how that all sorted out and everything. I'm going to talk about that here briefly. I'm I, when I'm making an educated guess on something, I will tell you if I'm making a guess on it. But best I can figure. It looks like what happened is that Gottlieb got bought out by Columbia shortly after Cubert got released back in the arcades. Um, Columbia was a very big uh, movie company at the time, which also had, uh, which also owned companies and a whole bunch of other fields. Also, uh, it looks like what happened, and and this is an educated guess based upon the research 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 I did. It looks like what happened is that uh, after the after the crash happened, uh, Columbia took took Gottlieb and split it into two. Or the same way that Atari was split. Right. Uh, they kept half the company themselves. Uh, they, it looks like it looks like that they renamed their half of uh, Gottlieb JBW Electronics. Uh, was the, was renamed the half they kept. Gottlieb itself was also spun off by itself again as an, as an independent company, and they'd be around for like twenty years or so be, before they finally went out of business. But the rights to Cubert stayed with Columbia, 
and uh, and therefore in turn with this JKB uh, with this uh, with this subsidiary company of JBW Electronics. Because if you look at the copyright screens of both the NES port of Cubert by Konami and on this uh, Real Time Associates uh, game of Cubert Three, they both credit Cubert as actually being owned by JBW Electronics. So since Cubert's still with Columbia, it seems like it seems like that's what happened, like in this case. So. Man. <laughs> Wouldn't it suck if it was like one of the uh, like the case in Universal Studios suing Nintendo and nobody owned it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in this case though, it could be like it's pretty safe to say that they safe to say that Columbia does own Cubert because uh, that's how Sony was able to use Cubert in Record Ralph because Sony bought out Columbia back in 1989. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, so it looks like so, so it looks like in this case though the the the, the rights of Cubert are very well secure. So there must have been a real licensing headache for Real Time Associates to be able to get the rights to be the, the, the rights to, the rights to use Cubert in this game because while Cubert Three is an original game, they still couldn't have done it without getting the rights to Cubert to, to Cubert himself to use in the game. So yeah. So Cubert Three as I came uh, Cubert, Cubert Three as I mentioned earlier came out for the Super NES in July uh, in July of 1992. It was only released for the Super NES. There are Game Boy and Game Boy and Game Boy Color versions of Cubert that are very similar to Cubert Three in some ways, such as having some different play fields on the stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are called Cubert still. So this is so Cubert Three is definitely like it's definitely a very like a very it's definitely a very uh, unique game. Um, Real Time Associates is a very fascinating company uh, by itself. This is this is one of several companies that was formed by former Blue Sky Rangers, like Mattel Electronics. Uh, when the when television was shut down by Mattel in 1984, some people from uh, some people from, like from there went off and formed their own company, which became which became Rootime which became Rootime Associates, and um, they made numerous games over the years from from multiple consoles, and they're still in the market today. Uh, they're still making games today, so uh, um, like they're doing like alive and well, and they, uh, and this is very cool when I found out about it. Um, one of the two creators of the original of original arcade game, Jeff Lee, who actually who actually created Cubert himself, uh, uh, also like also worked on the graphics for Cubert Three. So um, yeah, I guess that was can, cool to find out. Yeah, uh, having a connection to the original arcade game in this game is very fun. So I guess we can blame him. So I guess we can blame Jeff for those trippy backgrounds that are, <laughs> that are present. Uh, during the gameplay. Oh man, it's like, you know, thank God you have the option to turn that off, like the option screen, because um, I appreciate what they're going for here, uh, like like the background graphics, um, because because the actual gameplay itself can be kind of, the actual game screen, I mean, can be kind of plain. You just have the, the play field and that's it. So yeah. I appreciate the effort that they put in trying to trying to put in like, you know, some, some very nice graphics. They're trying to take advantage of Super NES hardware. Um, can never and a very rich color palette that this is, this is offered, but man, it's like what the heck are they doing? Were they smoking drugs? Like are they making this? <laughs> oh, it does yeah, look the... kind of psychedelic, right? It is. So oh weird. man, trying to play <laughs> because you're but... trying to you're trying to like avoid all these enemies, and you got enough going on without having something in the background. You're like, oh, look at the pretty colors. <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of times uh, the backgrounds were moving and you don't know if the background is moving or if there's an enemy moving. And I I, I like the way it added to the game. So I, I turned them off to, just to see what it looked like, but I liked it better with the backgrounds. Yeah, it, it was pretty much challenging. I, that's why I liked it. 
Yeah, I was definitely the opposite way. I turned both the <laughs> like I turned both the graphics and music off on the option screen. So. Oh, really? See, I had I did not like the music at first, but um, I didn't turn it off and I let it go, and I, I eventually uh, came to love it. So, hmm. I was playing it the other. I was playing it. I think it was last night. Yeah, it was last night because my son would not go to sleep. He he has a sinus infection and he would not go back. It wasn't his fault. He wouldn't go back to sleep. So I was like, hey, buddy, you going back to bed? And he said, no. And I said, okay. So it was like midnight. And so I just got out his Hot Wheels and I let him play. And I played Cubert uh, and I turned the music off. And then the background just kind of, I don't know, guys. <laughs> If you have like this fast moving background, like at one o'clock in the morning, it'll get on your nerves a little bit. <laughs> so then I turned that off and man, I had a lot of fun. I actually got pretty far without, you know, just, I, I kind of have this theory. If you can still play the game without the music in the background and all the extra stuff, then you've got yourself a game. So mm. yeah, 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 I would agree with that. But um, yeah, that the music, I like the music, but I can also see where people would turn it off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the music is fitting with the game. Like, it's very, like, you know, cute, upbeat, kind of charming. Uh, kind of, like, kind of fits with the Cuba character, I think. Um, but, it, but it just gets kind of boring to me after a while because there isn't enough uh, variety in the, uh, uh, on the music or how often it changes, uh, it changes to really keep it interesting. So, Yeah. It oh. definitely had that um, late 80s, early 90s, like, voice sampling keyboard thing going on. I don't oh, know if you guys yeah. picked up on that, like, bait, 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 you know, it's that kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, did y'all see, um, did y'all hear any, like, really similarities, real similarities between that and um, Bubsy? I actually have never played Bubsy, so I can't. Yeah. Bubsy 2, um, there is a, uh, there's a music level in there. And if you play the music level on Bubsy and you play the music level, I think it's like level 9 or 10 or 11 or something like that. I don't know. It was all running together last night, so I don't know. <laughs> and anyway, um, I was playing it, and I was like, "Man, this sounds really similar." Hmm. So I don't know. That was that was just me. If if y'all get a chance, um, go back and listen to Bubsy music and listen to uh to this music. This sounds really similar. Hmm. Is that the same system? I'm not familiar. I yeah, know Bubsy's come out. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know was, I had it for the Jaguar, but I don't have it anymore. Yeah, it was Bubsy 2 for the Super Nintendo. Okay. Yeah, and that's uh, that's another conversation. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2018? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh... The backgrounds, uh, the, the, the changing backgrounds are one of three major changes uh, that I noticed right away with, with this version of the game compared to the original arcade game. Uh, you also had the different play fields. I really, I really appreciated the fact that the game, that the game offered a whole such a wide variety of stages and play fields to go through. Um, yeah. Because because the very first stage of the game starts you off with classic Hubert shape. You have that you have, you have a classic triangle to play on, so it kind of like you know, start you off to start off nice and easy. You're familiar with that, and then starting with stage two, it's she starts to into that very funky, different stuff. Um, so every like every stage has every stage looks different, and, and, and as you go through, and as you go through the game, so there's a wide variety of back, uh, a wide variety of backgrounds with the with the themes and the stages and the, and the play fields and that kind of stuff. That I really appreciate. Um, and the other major difference is like not only, 
fight is the enemies. Not only do you have your old familiar foes back, uh, uh, like with Coily and uh, Ugg and Rongray, we also have three new enemies that come onto the game later on to make your life miserable. So, um, uh, but altogether, altogether, I read up. There's a hundred stages, like in the game total, uh, and and the game's divided into levels. There's about three to five stages, approximately, approximately like each level, um, and they, uh, each level has a theme to it. Uh, level one's kind of neutral theme. Level two is kind of ice theme, so on, so on, and you have the option of playing either one player or two player. Two players rotate off. Um, there is a there is a continue feature in the game uh, that that they've used it will short you back the beginning the to short you back the at the beginning of the last level that you reach not the last stage to the last level. Um, there is no however password feature. So if you want to beat the game, I I strongly recommend either either using save states in the emulator or using one of the cheat codes. There are cheat codes in the game that I'm going to mention mention toward the end of the podcast. Yeah, I like the. Um... The differences in the screens, that was really, I mean, the, the actual pyramid thing itself, that was really good. Like, some of them are very difficult. Um, I think it was maybe the third, I, it, just like uh, the arcade game for me, I did not get past level two, <laughs> even with the continues. But um, I think it was the third the third screen on level two where you could kind of get trapped in a corner on that one. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah especially since you have to jump twice on that. On those. Oh yeah, yeah. But I like them a lot because I'm just a puzzle fiend anyway. Yeah, and uh, I I love puzzles and it. I liked uh, the ones where you had to jump on them twice to change the color. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I got to level nine third screen before. Wow, I was just like yeah, and um, I don't know, dude. Hey man, I was in the zone. I was like exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> So I was just kind of playing it subconsciously, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I looked over in the floor, and my son was asleep. I don't know when that happened. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I was like, well, I should turn this off, and I couldn't turn it off. Wow. <laughs> and finally, I just died. But, um, yeah, a lot of it is uh, I love the, I love the strategy of it. I loved how you could jump on the, um, the um, I don't know, the thing that'll transport you back up top or whatever. Oh, the disc, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the disc. And uh, anyway, and there were times where you, you couldn't use that anyway because it would transport you over to the other one. So anyway, I, uh, I love these. Yeah. The disc, yeah, too. Go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say the puzzle aspect is certainly is certainly a huge part of it. Uh, but also, like I said, I, but like I said, um, I found I found using I found using some of the old strategies like the original arcade game is it also is also quite effective here. Uh, like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like you know, taking a side first, uh, being able to time your jumps so that you can kind of calculate like when Coley is going to get close to you, so you can hop on a disc to get right. back on the top. Um, trying to trying to plan things around to to, to, to later on in the game for when you have to like hop on things twice. Um, it's certainly kind of a hard game to describe. I kind of would say a half, half puzzle, half action myself, uh, because there's certainly elements of both going on here. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, being the points fiend that I am, though, I like to try to pack the the, the screen full of enemies so I can get the max points, though. <laughs> because yes. if you hop yeah. on the disc, it'll like it'll say get rid of all the enemies, and you're like, 
well, where there went my bonus. So yeah. <laughs> you just kind of anyway. That was just me. And then I would was die. That... I would get cocky and I would die because mm-hmm. I would try to pack them full of enemies. Did you guys have any trouble? Um... Oh, we're gonna get to that in a minute. Uh, okay. Um, what was I gonna say originally? <laughs> disc. Uh, oh yeah, the disc. Um, I didn't have any problem with the disc on the original on the first screen because that's what Cubert was. It didn't change in the arcade game, but in some of the later ones where it was set up differently, I had trouble jumping on it. I would jump to the wrong square and then jump right off, <laughs> right off the whole. Yeah, uh, that too. That um, it was. There were some screens where it it, kept, it felt kind of, you know, a lot of them you felt, oh man, I could have done that better. I could have dodged that better. Mm-hmm. I did not have to put myself in that in that corner. But yeah. then there were times, you know, you would accidentally jump off, and you would be like, I did not push that over there. I was over <laughs> the other square. What the yeah. heck happened? Well, there's two things going on here, I think. One of it's the control scheme, which we're talking about here in a moment. And right. so, so another part of it is just the um, the graphics, I think, are both a help and a hindrance. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this game is has more uh, I'm pretty sure this game is more powerful than, than the original arcade hardware that that's running on. But yeah. you still face the same challenge of trying to have a 3D game on a 2D play field, uh, basically. So yeah. sometimes you're so sometimes you're thinking that you have to go up to avoid enemy, but you put your look at the wrong angle and you're the wrong, the wrong angle and you push up and you jump off jump off the side by accident. Yeah. Uh, because there's still the there's still the challenge of trying to correctly show on there. It's not really it's not really a true three three D version of the game. Um so you still sometimes have the challenge of trying to figure out um where you need to hop, especially later on in the game when you have to hop on blocks twice to be able to clear them. I thought mm-hmm. the game did a pretty good. I thought the game did a pretty good, pretty good job of showing the graphics, of showing like you know the cracks, the cracks deepening when you were deepening when you hop in it twice, for example, or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, but sometimes, real quick, it hit a moment when you got like when you have a coily coming at you from one side and the like, wrong way coming at you like from the other. You know, to get the hell out of dodge. Yeah. Uh, it can <laughs> yeah. be very confusing trying to figure out, okay, which block do you hop onto, which button do you need to push, uh, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. well, I think you're also trading a joystick for a D-pad, and yes. that may and that may contribute to a lot of it. Um, I didn't play the arcade, and I did not play the Atari version, but I feel like I would have been a little bit more effective if I had had a a joystick in in place of it yes. oh yeah yeah well let's talk about those controllers then uh because i think the developers did a pretty good job with the options that they had available to them because they realized um as i said as we just as we discussed earlier one of the original creators of their k game worked on this game also i'm sure they realized that trying to have a game originally originally based in the arcade on a joystick trying to port to a d-pad was going to be a bit of a challenge so um, I do appreciate the difficulty that the, 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 the developers realized that they had to, that they had to work to get around. You, you're able to pick in the options screen four different ways of controlling the game. You have two options for the control pad and two options for like the buttons. So you can choose to play the game if you want to with the, like the four buttons, uh, the four main buttons, A, B, Y, X, as opposed to using the pad if you want to. Um, and there's two different configurations of the pad, two different configurations for like the button. So... Um, I had the best luck using the alternate configuration on the pad. 
not the original one, but the other one that you could pick on, like on the screen. It does take a little bit to get to, to get the hang of it. Um, there are definitely a few times where I've picked up the game and hopped up, and I hopped up the side like right away. Yeah. I mean to, but um, except for those heat of the moment things later on in the game, you get used to controls pretty quick, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now, you, did you guys both use Super Nintendo controllers? I did. Yes. Yeah. You yep. did. Okay. So, which which one did you choose? You, you, uh, Greg, you said you chose the one where I guess the left side of the controller is pointing up. Yes. Okay. How about you, I Chad? Use, I use the original. Which one is the original? The other way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Other way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I used the same one that Greg did because it just it was more comfortable for me. I don't I don't see how anybody could use the buttons because you have to. You know, you have to move your thumb so much to press the buttons. Well, I, I had the uh, I had the disadvantage not knowing there was a uh, alternative. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> did you not notice there was an option screen? No, I did not. Well, oh. I did, but I was like, oh, that's just sound test and stuff. I didn't know that it was actually, you know. Okay, let me oh. say this. Let me say this again <laughs> right now for anybody listening to this interested in checking out the game out. When you, when you start the game up, the first thing you want to do is go to the option screen. Turn the backgrounds off. Maybe, no. <laughs> maybe turn the music off and see what controller scheme you want to use. Don't get cocky. <laughs> I'm curious how this would uh, control with the, was it the Super Advantage joystick? I was just about to say that. Oh, were you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. No, yeah. I, was, um, I, was, I was on the same wavelength, wavelength that you were. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used that. I have used the regular advantage for the NES, but I don't think I've ever ever tried the super advantage. I have never had the super advantage. I've been contemplating it, but I'm not paying $35. Is that how much they are now? Yeah, I guess anything involved with Super Nintendo. <laughs> well, the good news is that this game can be had pretty cheap. We're going to talk about eBay pricing later on here. But um, um, Now, did you guys orientate the pad a different way in your hands, or, or did you just hold it like a regular controller? Mm. Well, I I uh, tilted it. So, I tilted okay. It. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't actually. I found it better just to hold the controller like I usually would and just kind of play it that way. See, I I did do that on the original Atari version because I remember playing it when I was a kid and just holding the joystick regular, even though the uh, manual tells you to tilt the joystick. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know about the Super Nintendo manual if that tells you to tilt it or not, but I think most of the, a lot of the um, manuals for versions of this game across different systems told you to tilt the controller yeah i haven't uh, i haven't seen the manual to this game but i'm just going off the going off the graphic that it shows right. you in the option screen yeah because it looks like because it looks at like the graphic the graphic has the controller tilted which makes it kind yeah. of like that they want you to tilt the controller in your hand but i'm just like but i'm but i'm just like oh man heck no i'm not bothering with that <laughs> right yeah but i mean i um i tend to tilt the controller anyway because i'm left-handed Oh okay. oh, okay. Yeah, and um, I uh, I tend to tilt it anyway, regardless of what I'm playing. So um, anyway, that's just me. I'm cockeyed that way. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, some other differences with Cubert 3 compared to the original arcade game is there's more up. Um, uh, it's, it's a lot easier. There, there's more options to get points um, because because in this version of the game, as Chad already alluded to. When you finish clearing a stage, you get points not only for the disc left over, but also for the enemies uh, on screen. Uh, okay. so, um, 
And uh, and uh, and uh, side note, I also loved how they also gave you the option to have a high score screen when your game finishes up. It's like it's a nice very throwback like to the old the arcade games. Right, uh, right. So uh, it's a very nice touch to have that on there. I think. So right. there's. So there's also there's also extra there's also there's also extra there's also extra bonus items that you can get. Not only not only are there still the small green balls that come down every now and then that that will freeze the gameplay for like five seconds or so when you grab yeah. it. There's also fruit that comes up in the game every now and then, like apples and or and oranges that you can grab to get bonus points. So um, so it kind of kind of a trade off if you're looking for points if you want to take the time to divert to go after that or not. Oh, I I, I went after it. That's yeah, I tried. Cool. I tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I always get greedy that way, and then I die. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I am never going after that again. And then I'll go after <laughs> it again. The very next game. I <laughs> found it a, a lot easier to get that stuff if you were on the bottom when that came out on the top. Because mm-hmm. if you try to chase after it, you never know where it's going to go. And even though it, it kind of, I think it kind of moves a little bit slower than you do. Yeah. Everybody else, I think it's it's just hard to keep up coming from behind it. Yeah. In my opinion, but what, what I tend to do is I'll be like, "Oh, I could totally dodge that enemy," and then I'll get myself in a corner trying to get that yeah. item, and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question about that? Uh, I guess you guys probably, well, Chad definitely. I don't know how Greg. You must have gotten farther than me too, because I don't play as many games as you guys do, so I'm not as good. <laughs> but um, now I saw the frog. Now there were two other enemies. Was the the purple Hershey Kiss thing, was that an enemy too? Yes. Okay. So now when I first saw the frog, the frog was green, so I automatically jumped on top of it because the other green guys you jump on and you're fine. But then I had totally forgotten about the the new enemies. So did you guys have any problems with the new enemies or just you knew to stay away from them? They weren't new enemies to me. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't think about that part. <laughs> Um, I kind of just had the feeling that they were enemies because the because I'm like, well, it's not a ball and they're not, it's not fruit. So it must be the enemy. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty, I died the first time cause I thought it was some sort of power up or something. Oh, okay. yeah. I okay. didn't, I didn't know it was an enemy. And then I was like, well, maybe I should watch some YouTube videos. Cause I have absolutely no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but I, I don't know. I, um, I actually played this all week. Because I got addicted. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in our comments in the game that's on Facebook, Willie from the ClecoVisions podcast said he also had never played this game uh, uh, before us either. He also really like, enjoyed the game a lot. That's good. Um, now, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember the three new enemies. The Frogs won. That guy that Ferg mentions the second. What's the third one again? I don't know. I didn't see it. Chad, did you see the third enemy? Uh, yeah, but I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> uh, what it look like? I think Top Hat was one, and Derby was the other one. Is that if the names are? If I got the it names right. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Chad, do you remember what the? Chad, do you remember what it like the third enemy looked like? Uh, hold on just a minute. I do not. It's all fuzzy. <laughs> it's all fuzzy, man. I was like, I was just trying to avoid them, and then, like I said, it was. It was all running together by then because I was in a state of exhaustion anyway. Yeah, this game, yeah, this game gets difficult very, very quickly. Uh, oh uh, man, it's like two <laughs> levels in and it's handing you your butt. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lee, it's it's like, 
Um, it's not like Mario Brothers where you get, you know, the first level is basically a tutorial, and you just kind of, it just kind of gradually steps you up to harder enemies. To, you know, you can stomp on this one, or you have to stomp and push this one, or you have to do this and this to, you know, just um, a spiky enemy that you can only defeat with fire. And this right here, it'll just, yeah, it, it'll kick your butt, like two <laughs> levels in. Wow. I'm looking at the back of the box now. There's a picture, um, screenshot with the frog, and a top hat, and that squiggly thing. Okay. So I'm I'm guessing that there's oh there's also a white squiggly thing in addition to the purple one. Mm, okay. Wow. This oh my gosh this S Chad did you get did you guys get to this S shaped screen? Holy cow! I think I did. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> that looks so. crazy. <laughs> oh man, the, the the screens were incredible. Yeah. Yes. I love the screens. That's what I wanted to see what the next puzzle would be. I wanted to see what the next screen would be. Yeah, that's um, part and of the addiction. The patterns were awesome. I don't know. I I like this game anyway, but that yeah. was. I love these types of games. Oh, I'm glad you guys liked it. At least it's good for something. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, yeah. But you guys said it's 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 always different. It's it's always different than very play fields that really make the whole game. I mean, they could have taken the original Cubert, done nothing else to it, and just simply give you give you these new play fields. I would have been happy. But yeah. uh, but having the new enemies and the new options and everything really really makes this a very very fun game. Uh, this is a game I think that everybody probably missed uh, back when it came out. Uh, so this is definitely a game I definitely wanted to, to feature to feature on this podcast because because I know the original Cuber was a very popular arcade game and this was just like Cuber on crack basically right exactly uh, oh man can you or, uh, imagine the state of DLC would be back then if they still had it oh man it was like a ten a ten pack every month or something like that could you imagine that yeah <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Level one, I think, is pretty easy. Um, but level two gets level two starts level two gets difficult on you very, very fast. Yeah. And level and level three is where some of the new enemies start showing up, and then it just gets more and more crazy after that point. Uh, like, like the higher levels, you have no time at all to react because like two, three enemies, are like in your butt. So uh, exactly. you're so you're constantly hopping around, just trying to just just trying to stay ahead of them somehow. I mean, I, I mean, you don't be. I, I mean, like there's a lot of stages where, where you don't even care if the stage is just like the hop, like the areas you're hopping on are are are, are covered or not. You're, you're just trying to stay ahead of them. Oh man, at, at, at certain points you just straight up frantic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, man. So uh, I, I appreciate that. I also appreciate the fact that this game has a two-player option to it. Um, looking at some videos online, it seems like a pretty like fun game to play with somebody. Yeah, I would imagine. I would uh, love to play it with somebody. Yeah. One nice thing about it is that um, if you if one player if, you, if one player reaches reaches the next level and it's game over on both of them, then both players are that level. So one person can kind of like pick up the other person and carry them along if they're having if they have difficulty like with stage. That's cool. Yeah. Um, really, the only really the only really the only weak spots this game I probably would say is there's no password feature password feature which the game had um, because because about save states it can make it very difficult to to, to, to try to beat um, like like one sitting 
uh, or leaving your system on for like days on end or whatnot. Yeah. So um, the backgrounds, like I already said, are totally distracting like from the gameplay. Um, <laughs> and the controls can take a little bit, a little bit to get used to. Uh, like you guys have said, I think this game would, would probably handle a lot better with like a joystick. Um, if you have a third-party controller with a joystick, I'd be very, very interested to hearing hearing from you to see just how this game operates vis-a-vis like that joystick. Because yeah. I think having a joystick would probably make it like a lot easier. Like uh, like Rob, I mean uh, yeah, like Ferg. Sorry. Anyway, it's all right. Like, yeah, like Ferg <laughs> said, um, I uh, I I'm very curious as to how an advantage would work with it. Yeah. But you know, uh, it's, it's too expensive. Wow, <laughs> oh, it's so oh, expensive. Yeah. Anyway, you're probably a dime a dozen ten years ago at Funko Land or something. Yeah. yeah. No, Funko Land has always been overpriced. Even back then, they were really. Overpriced. You think so? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But uh, their catalogs, man. I mean, I remember seeing Super NES games going for like 50, 70 bucks, like, oh. like, like no, ten years ago. So. Yeah. But. Um, so, Chad, was there anything about the game that you didn't like? Uh, any kind of drawbacks to you that you think, uh, as far as the gameplay goes? Uh, aside from being on a D-pad um, and just accidentally jumping over the side, uh, not really. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed it. And Ferg, you probably think the same way he does, right? Yeah, it's just pretty much just the D-pad. Otherwise, it's really good... At- you know, really good uh, extension of the arcade game. Well, but really like I said, you know, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, I do appreciate the fact that designers realize the challenge the paths going to offer the game. I, I do really like the fact they give those four different options uh, to pick from. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm sure you can find something on there, you know, that you can enjoy like you're used to. So yeah, um, yeah, this is definitely like yeah, this is definitely a very very fun game. I mean, I mean, I think it's. I, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the original arcade game, but I think this game is much better than it. Um, if you like the original Kubrick arcade game, if you like, if you like puzzle games, um, if you like games that are definitely a challenge, this is how they. This is definitely a game I, 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 that I highly recommend that they find anybody out there picking up and giving a shot. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. If you like any kind of puzzle games, then you're gonna love this game. Let's finish up the gameplay discussion, maybe with some talk about strategies and hints for anybody who could prepare to get into the game the first time. Um, Ferb, do you have any advice um, to, to be able to... Oh, God, he's already laughing. No, I'm the wrong guy to ask for advice for gameplay. <laughs> I don't know, just um, stay away from the red things and jump on the green things, except for the frog. Uh, <laughs> Because that one guy that uh, was his name Spike, the green guy that comes down and uh, changes the colors back, you can jump oh, on man, him to I make him stop. Him. Yeah, I hate he's, that guy. Yeah, just jump on him to make him stop. Yeah, he he's even more annoying in this version than he is like the original arcade game. Yeah, because he laughs at you when he comes down. Oh, oh man, I died uh-huh. a couple of times chasing him just because he pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I would be like, oh the heck with all these other enemies, I'm gonna get to you. You never mind. Sorry, yeah. guys, coming show. <laughs> That's yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> and I, I try to I try to get the stuff on the top as soon as possible too because that's where everything comes down. Yeah. But they oh, do give yeah. you that handy little um, target when the guy's going to drop down on you, which yes. I don't think they had in the arcade game. 
No, they did not. Mistaken. I was going to mention that. Thank you for reminding yeah. me about that. They do yeah. give you one major help in this game. You can see an advanced warning when something's going to come down on the blocks. Right. It gives you that symbol below the block that's coming down. And it gives you enough time to hop away from it, too. So, yeah. um, like, it's a very nice touch that the designers put in to kind of compensate for the insane difficulty that this game ramps up to very fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think your desk would probably feel a lot. I think it would feel very cheap if they didn't do that, though. Yeah, because that's one of the things I hate about like, an original arcade game. Uh, probably one of the biggest drawbacks of it is that, like, at the top of the screen, you go up to the top of the uh, the block, uh, the top of the pyramid, clear the blocks, and all of a sudden, like, an enemy, the enemy drops down the right in your head, and you're like, what? <laughs> you know, and as far as I could tell, there wasn't much of a pattern when they did it. No, there's no pattern in this either, as far as I could tell. It yeah, is, uh... and I was like, I, the first time, first couple of times I played it, and I was like, oh, that's where they're coming down at. So then I tried to, um, I tried to anticipate that, and they came down on like a completely different block, and I'm like, yeah, well, forget that then. Yeah. Uh, so Chad, how about you? You have any like strategy or gameplay hints that you can offer? Um, yeah, you know, you can. Uh, Whenever the enemies are dropping down, a lot of times if it's um, if it's the the little enemy that uh, just kind of goes straight down, you can actually follow him down. And he, as far as I know, he won't turn on you. Um, and then, you know, don't put yourself in a corner. Always try to leave yourself on out. Um, it's almost just like playing chess. If you've ever played chess, uh, you can kind of just move back and forth on that and not, not put yourself in a corner. That's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And also kind of pay attention kind of to your D pad. You're not going to be able to help it a lot of times because you're going over the side. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. but, but try to watch yourself on that. Yeah. Yeah, and some of those higher levels, it was very common for me to have to spend all four of my lives you know, making through a single stage. I mean, that's yep. how difficult the game gets. So, man, uh, it wouldn't be so bad. I think I only went over the side a lot of times when it got really frantic. Yes. When yep. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know where else to go. And um, I can go up. And then, you know, you would fat finger something or, or whatever. And off you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. You know, as a final note about the gameplay, I was happy to see that they kind of kept Hubert's swearing intact, like in this game. Um, but he, but it doesn't sound the same as it did like an arcade game, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I, I think the arcade game used a used a special chip, a sound chip, just to make this just just to make his noises. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> They were different every time too. I mean, yep, there were yep. more than just the one one that's in the Super Nintendo version, right? Um, but it's a very nice touch that they kept that game in. It really does feel like an improved version of the original arcade game. It's like you know, this game would be right at home like an arcade, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I my I was playing it and my nine year old was sitting beside me, and uh, I died, and uh, he did the he did the cursing thing or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me and he says, Daddy, what's he doing? And I was like, he's just really mad, baby. I was like, you know how I make up words sometimes when I get mad? She says, yeah. I said, that's pretty much what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> 
so uh, let's finish up the gameplay discussion with just some final um, uh, final hints for, you, for, for like hints for everybody out there. Uh, there are some hidden hidden features and things you can find in the game uh, through entering some codes. Um, I obtained these codes like from a file on game FAQs. That was very helpful. Um, there are bonus levels that you can unlock in the game to start with that are apparently insane difficulty. If you think the regular game is not enough of a challenge, uh, give these a shot. Um, uh, when you're on the option, uh, to, act, to access the bonus levels, when you're on the options screen, push B, Y, Y, B, Y, 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 and then start. And that will start you off in the bonus levels. Uh, if you'd like to see the credits, uh, like for the game, when you're on the options screen, push L and R at the same time. If you if mastered the early game and want to get ahead to level 11, uh, good luck at that level, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 on the options screen, push B eight times, and you'll be able to just get, and you'll be able to game start like a level 11. And then I want uh, you to mess just your your uh, survival time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you want to die uh, in two seconds? Press yeah. B. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> If you'd like to see the cute intermission screens that shows about the uh, shows about now and then, uh, when you start off on when you start off on different levels, uh, on, on the title screen this time, push right up B A down up B down up and B, and finally, I guess there's a special ending to the game. I've not seen this myself yet, but uh, the code has been verified as working, so I don't know how the special ending varies from the regular ending because I haven't seen the regular ending yet either. Um, I am working on it, thanks to Safe States. I know, cheating, but... Um, <laughs> um, but uh, to see the special ending, um, like on the main screen, hold select and then push L and R 10 times and then push B and A. If you, if you, if you did it correctly, you hear the sound of a bomb exploding. Ooh. So there's some, there's some, uh, there's some codes to, there's some codes like you guys to check out the game to keep it fresh and interesting for you. Um, eBay pricing, as I mentioned to you earlier, um, this game, thank God, is not terribly expensive. If you, uh, if you, if you want to get out there and pick up a copy of the game for yourself, um, there's 36 copies of the game have sold recently, and prices for cart are pretty cheap. They're ranging anywhere from $380 to $19, uh, that you hold the cart only of the game. So, not that bad. Pretty comparable to, uh, Earth Defense Force that we covered last week as far as price goes. So this is this is this is in large part the fact, like I said, the games the game the game pretty much got missed by everybody when it came out. So <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of surprising, especially uh, I wonder if there was a spike when um, um, Wreck It Ralph came out. There might have been, yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but even like a CIB copy of the game, like like it's inexpensive. You can get one of those for thirty five to thirty five to forty one dollars. That's not uh, bad at all for a Super Nintendo game. Not well, I think a lot the, of the Atari. I think the Atari generation really came to, really came to age, and everybody's wanting their stuff back. Where everybody's sick of modern gaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, NES and Super Nintendo now are the big ones. Yeah, and pretty. Yeah, pretty soon, a year or two, it's supposed to be PlayStation like Nintendo sixty four because that generation's right about. Yep. It's right about up to their twenties. So. Yeah. I mean, actually, I was shocked. RGR, with their, for their podcast uh, last month, actually covered PlayStation in the top 10. And, and I'm like, you know, PlayStation Retro finally for them is like, is like amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> well, to be the, fair, yeah, go ahead. My, the PlayStation is my personal cutoff point for that, for yeah. Retro, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
so, to be fair, the PlayStation did come out in '95, though. Yeah, that was their argument. You know, 20 years old at this point. So, yep. um, you know, I've always considered, I, I definitely consider the PlayStation, the PlayStation and N64, um, uh, and Saturn to be definitely retro at this point. And if in a yeah. few years, in a few years, it's like be joined by the Xbox and the the Xbox and Game and GameCube and PS2. So, but um, I think it's what we, you grew up with is what you yeah. consider retro. Yeah, I guess. I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Everybody describes it a different way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. So, uh, Chad, um, talking about how this game was kind of obscure and kind of flew under the radar, um, did you have any feedback from anybody who actually played this game back in the day? Um, man, like I had very, very few. Mm. Uh, let me see. Uh, Stephanie, man... I really hate saying these people's names. I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That's Stephanie McKeon? Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie McKeon. I really love this game. Next to the original arcade version, I say this one is the best with its fun, bouncy music and psychedelic level design. See? Somebody liked it, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I think she means the play field and all the trippy backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> music, my friend. <laughs> Jason Amatea, uh, best game ever in arcade PC. Mm, wow. And yeah. Let me see. Michael Kelso. <laughs> Philip Vaughn said, Is that super awesome Qbert level intro music still intact? And I told him it sort of jazzed up a bit, but you bet. Yeah. Um, William Culver. Willie. Willie's awesome. He is awesome. Yeah. Well, I am still playing that game after hearing about it from you guys. I am really enjoying it with the backgrounds and music turned off. Whatever, dude. I really, <laughs> <laughs> I really like how the play field changes around and is themed. It adds a lot to the classic arcade gameplay. I also like how in the option screen you can select how your controller works. And just like on the ColecoVision, you have to hold that bad boy at an angle. <laughs> Not always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. Like, I'm weird. I accept that. Yeah, you know. We love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. That's, that's all I had. Uh Yep, and the only other comment I remember seeing uh, was one that uh, Aaron Hickman of the Flight of the Retro Obscura podcast made, saying that he had played this game uh, back when it first came out as rental and didn't care for it all that much. Um, he he complained about the, I believe he complained about the graphics, the, the graphics, those background, those background, uh, trippy backgrounds. So I advised him to go ahead and turn, try it again with it turned off, and he and he he's like he hasn't got back to me yet. Um, but that's okay because I'm very pleased to be able to announce. That uh, that Aaron's going to be our guest host on the podcast next week. Um, he's going to be joining Chad and myself to talk about one of the most popular games for the Super NES, one of the biggest games out there, uh, Contra Three: The Alien Wars. Oh, so, I love right. that game so nice. much! I'm stoked. Yeah, so am I. It's going to be a great podcast having him having him on board to talk about that. So, dude, I could easily make that podcast two hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. 
Yeah, that is a great game. So I'm definitely, so definitely looking forward to talking about that. And and I'm in talks with some people trying to get them lined up to come on the podcast in the weeks to come also. So hopefully so hopefully we're also going to have some additional guest hosts coming on, uh, coming and talk about their great and their favorite Super NES games uh, with Chad and myself. Um, so Ferg, it's, it's, it's been awesome having you here in the podcast with us talking about one of your favorite Super NES games. Uh, I, I really thank you for bringing this game to our attention because I never heard about it, like I said. So, I mean, it's a big fan of the arcade game. It definitely, it definitely has been a blast playing it. Great. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it, and I had a good time talking with you guys. It's fun. A lot of fun. Oh, man, Ferg, I can't believe we have avoided doing podcasts together. I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, man, how have I how have I avoided that, or has he avoided me? No, it's just <laughs> I know, I know. my weird schedule and the fact that I can't record any Skype stuff on my computer. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I was like, because, um, because uh, Greg was like, we got to get Ferg on. I was like, oh, you actually have to do that. Either Saturday or Tuesday, <laughs> because yeah, you had told me your schedule one time when yeah. we were doing the minis, and um, we were trying to schedule the show, trying to figure out when we were first starting out when we were going to do the show, and I was like, oh, if we going to get Ferg on, we have to do it either Saturday or Tuesday. Yeah, it's bad. So yeah, dude, I I love talking to you about it, man. Yeah, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. Glad to finally talk to you guys. Oh, you bet. Yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to get you on some future point to talk about that other game that you mentioned. What's it called? Like On the Wall? On the Ball. Uh, on the Ball, okay. Yeah. I, I, I never heard that game either, so. <laughs> really good. Good game. But, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, we should probably do like a cherry drive for you to chip in some money so you can get like a better computer because. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's still in the works, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> You have enough followers, like from your twenty six hundred podcast. I think that we could all probably do that for you, like very easily. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're doing an SNES podcast. I feel like we should be getting, you know, some kind of thing going on here, just because of the freaking bubble. Yeah, anyway, that is yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. e-begging, guys. Just saying, that's how it is on the SNES. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, like it's been great uh, covering this game with you guys. Uh, I highly recommend this game to anybody out there who loved like the original, you know, arcade game. Um, and you know, feel free to share us to, to, to share us your experiences of playing it. Uh, we welcome all feedback and comments and criticism of the podcast. You can reach me directly at the Super NES Podcast at yahoo.com, uh, or you can also reach us on, on Facebook. Um, we, the, the podcast is also available for your listening pleasure on Stitcher and iTunes. And uh, Chad also maintains a special, a special Super NES podcast uh, group on Facebook, also that you're welcome to join. We just, uh, we just generally talk about SNES stuff. Just come on in and chat it up. Also, uh, Nick DeMarco and I are doing a podcast. We are sort of resurrecting the Retro Thought Pod. The first yeah. recording will be Monday. Cool. So check us out. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look, you know, look forward to that. So, um, Chad, thanks for great doing this with you again this week. Uh, looking forward to having Aaron on next week to talk about Contra 3 because I love that game. Oh, man, me too. We still got a whole large, large library, and we still have to do accessories and all that. So, you guys <laughs> just tune in. <laughs> Uh, yep, and Ferg, uh, like I said, it's like it's, it was awesome having you on here, and you know, hopefully, we'll, you hopefully we'll be able to, to do a podcast podcast with you again sometime soon. Yeah, I hope so. It was great to be here. Thank you, guys. 
All right. Okay, okay, thanks. Have a good night. Bye. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.